Welcome to a Latter-day Family Podcast. I'm Todd Michael. I'm Amber Michael. Do you have a calling? Do you have a friend? Do you have nourishment by the good... Oh, wait, no, that's <laughs> that's a decade old. <laughs> okay, just the first question. Do you have a calling? Do you have more than one calling? Have you recently accepted or rejected a calling? How do you feel when a calling is extended to you? Thank you, Amber, for acknowledging that those were rhetorical questions for our audience. It was really hard. Every time you do those, I want to bust in with the answers. I don't yes. do well with rhetorical questions. No. <laughs> At the moment, I currently have one. I don't talk like Napoleon Dynamite. That's true. Uh, but yeah, well, you can't answer those, though, because that's what we're going to talk about is our experiences with callings and um, why we believe you your default should be to say yes to callings and what circumstances we see as being uh, um, justifiable in our unqualified opinion yes, of opinions. being justifiable yeah. for denying a calling, rejecting a calling. That just goes without saying. We're two idiots. We're not, this isn't sponsored yes. by anybody, not even church affiliated. I mean, I sometimes I think about that with like uh, Hank Smith and uh-huh. um, John, by the way, uh-huh. on their podcast. I'm like, okay, technically they're not yeah. church affiliated. They're kind of doing this on their own, but obviously mm. they're under some pressure. To, yeah. Not say anything too off the wall. Two yahoos. Yeah. (laughs) I love the freedom of being two yahoos from Twitter who decided to do this on a whim and still haven't figured out why. Yeah. And I mean, generally, when we're talking about what we want to talk about, we're like, so what have we been griping about this week? Mm -hmm. And then we go from there. So, yeah. So if if you ever want to know what was annoying us recently, listen to our latest podcast episode. The fact that nobody, we have a ton of open callings in our board. And people get asked to fill them all the time, and everyone says no. (laughs) And there's certain categories of callings that are just notoriously, like, people will say no, and it's the same few people just kind of rotating around. Uh Like, primary is the main one. Uh Nobody really will accept that. But also certain leadership positions. And I won't, you know, it's somewhat confidential, so I won't divulge specifics, but Mm -hmm. there's a certain couple of callings in a certain organization in the ward (laughs) <laughs> that the leader of that organization recently said in a word council, I've we've asked everyone who doesn't have a calling and they've all said no. And everyone left already has one or more callings. I'm out of people to ask. Uh-huh. And it came down to we'd heard that somebody might be moving into the ward. And that de facto <laughs> was like our next plan of attack. Well, let's yeah. see if we can get this guy. Maybe he'll be moving. <laughs> yeah. He'll do it. So... That if that's just a little bit of a background of mm-hmm. where our frustration comes from, but in many cases, we're talking about because we live in a as we've mentioned, we live in a pretty affluent area. Mm-hmm. People who, in their own right, in in their business or whatever, mm-hmm. have had a ton of success. I mean, they're highly capable yeah, people. It's, it's not like we have a bunch of you know heavily. Uh, you know, medicated, like <laughs> <don't know>. <laughs> homebound like, folks yeah. who are like, I just couldn't possibly like, we're yeah. talking about people who are 
really capable successful in and capable careers. in every other aspect of life when it comes to accepting calling. Not all of them, mm-hmm. not even most of them, yeah. but many of them say oh. no. And so why is that? Why do people say no to callings? I don't know. Because <laughs> you don't do it. <laughs> you yeah. say yes. I never have done that. I have definitely felt really nervous about mm-hmm. accepting callings plenty of times. And I don't think I've ever been extended a calling that I didn't feel somewhat nervous about. Like when they're asking me and like, how am I going to do that? Sure. But then, and so- I've had ones where I was like, well, let me think about it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not like I was thinking about it to say no necessarily, but like I was more, it. more nervous about it. So I needed to pray about it on my own and mm-hmm. feel like I knew, well, obviously, you know, Heavenly Father's going to support you, but it's nice to sometimes have that confirmation. Right, receive it. That the Holy Ghost. Well, and, and I, I, that's one that I would like to dig into a little bit because I think a lot of people, when they go to pray about a calling, and maybe this is just me projecting onto them, but mm-hmm. it seems that a lot of people, when they talk about praying about a calling, go at it from the mindset of I'm going to pray to see if it's right for me or not mm-hmm. rather than I'm going to pray about it to ask for confirmation that the Lord will qualify me yeah. for his work. And so that subtle difference is important because what that implies is that there's a chance or even a likelihood uh-huh. that that calling was offered to you in error. Like yeah, that that's like, not oh, actually the Lord's mistake. will or uh-huh. that your priesthood leader wasn't actually asking out of inspiration, but was asking out of desperation, right? Mm-hmm. That old joke that people. And so it gives that, that kind of um, opens that door to that doubt of like, well, th- this is just because nobody else will accept the calling. Uh-huh. So, and you know, we just explained how in our ward, uh-huh. that's a very real situation yeah, that comes up. That they have to. There's often times where people are asked to do something because they know you're willing. And there's many other people who are unwilling. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think that's the purpose of praying about a calling. I don't think that should be the purpose of, I'm going to ask God if this is right for me or not. Uh Because we don't believe in destiny, first of all. So Mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, is this the only calling God wanted for me? Yeah. Yeah. It should be more a question of, okay, it's hard for me to see how I can do this Uh with my current capacity. Will God qualify me? Will he increase my capacity? Am I actually capable Mm-hmm. with the Lord's help mm-hmm. of doing this calling and then giving him a chance to boo you up, to, yeah. to increase your confidence. I think I can't say without question, you know, you would never get a no answer, but I mm-hmm. think the instances where he would give you a spiritual warning against a calling uh-huh. are few and far between. Probably. That would be the exception, yeah. not the rule. And in most cases, whether or not it was initiated by a spiritually minded prompt, yeah, a prompting to a spiritually minded leader uh-huh. that you need that exact calling yeah. or shoot, we have no one to fill this and this person could fill it. Uh-huh. I think that becomes irrelevant when you take it to the Lord and mm-hmm. it's more, okay, Lord, I've been given this opportunity. Is this something I can do? Mm-hmm. It's like you're saying the other day, you don't have to decide whether or not the Bishop is saying like he was inspired to ask you to do that calling. If he wasn't inspired to do it, you're not going to be punished for taking the calling <laughs> right. and be like, well, I didn't inspire the Bishop to extend that calling. So I'm not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Susan's <laughs> on her own being relief society president. Cause that wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> so we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but we do act that way. We I act know, like, yeah. Oh, well I couldn't possibly do this on my own. And, 
since the I'm not sure that the bishop was inspired, then uh-huh. I just couldn't do it. It's like, yeah. well, wh- what limit are you placing on the Lord when you have that mindset? Uh-huh. And sure, it's natural to doubt, like you were saying, yeah. to have those concerns. And I think certain callings instill that more than others, uh-huh. you know, quote unquote, bigger callings. Yeah. People tend to have that attitude of like, the so-and-so president. Yeah. Oh. Just the ones where you have more responsibility mm-hmm. on your shoulders, I think, feel like more pressure. Yeah. So then you do feel like, oh, I would can't do that on my own. Right. But then you think about the Lord hasn't in any way set up a calling where you are on your own. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't think of any calling in the church where there's not support, whether it's directly like you have counselors and you're a president Uh or more often you report back to someone who has a stewardship over your calling. So like you're a Sunday school teacher, you have the Sunday school president or you have other teachers or you're a young men's advisor and you have the bishop and the bishop, other bishopric members, or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. there's these structures that the Lord puts in place. Not only just like, you know, oh, the Lord will will bless you, the Lord will help you, and kind of like, well, what does that mean? Like, very practically uh-huh. speaking, there are people already in place. Yeah, if they've said yes to their callings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are there to help yeah. and and to to magnify you as you magnify your calling. That's true. Even so, without the even without people specifically, there's also like materials and things like that that are can be helpful like one time i had a calling well i wanted when i was the i was the relief society president in our singles branch Mm -hmm. i'm trying to say that to like name drop a calling (laughs) people do that all the time no no i'm just saying when i was that um (laughs) we were my council said we're having a hard time with something and i felt like we just need to read the manual the church handbook yeah about Relief Society. And, you know, it was like a longer section. It was like 50 sure. pages or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But I was like, so I just told them we're, we're when we were meeting, let's read it this week and we'll meet again next week. And it helped with solve yeah. the problem immensely. Yeah. It's like we just weren't familiar enough with. Right. I hadn't even read it. Like, and I'd been the president for like a year. Sure. Or something like that. But That's a great point. Yeah. It's not only just the people, but there are tons of materials and specifically the handbook out there that talks Mm -hmm. about each calling each organization your specific stewardship Mm -hmm. your specific responsibilities and the specific people who are there uh, to help you yeah and then you know what you're accountable for because in in many instances i think too um there's the difference between like what the calling is actually Mm -hmm. about and actually entails and then kind of like the traditional what people associate with it. Mm-hmm. And those don't always match up, especially in recent years, last five or 10, yeah. as many callings and organizations have been, you know, reorganized yeah. or, or refocused and the responsibilities and, and mission of each organization have been really, um, what's the word, like refined uh-huh. in a way that before it was maybe a little bit more broad and, and, and undefined. So yeah. all this to say, when you say yes to a calling, you're not just saying, yes, I'll figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. Or yes, I already have everything I already need to be the most amazing, <laughs> you know, Sunday uh, sacrament meeting chorister possible. Yeah. But that the Lord is has already provided a foundation and will continue to support you if you just are willing. Yeah. Right. That word from the sacrament and from so many other places. You mm-hmm. just say, yes, I'm willing mm-hmm. to figure out this calling. I'll be the one responsible for this stuff happening. Okay. Now I got to figure out how to do it and get to work. Yeah. 
I agree. What about magnifying callings that you already have? Because there's, I think there's two steps to, or not two steps, but like two components to every calling. There's the accepting it. And uh-huh. there's some that are, have a harder time accepting. Uh-huh. And you know, some of the other reasons, like, so we've talked about self-doubt. Some of the other reasons are people who are like, I'm just too busy. I couldn't yeah. possibly. And, and to their credit, they're actually considering what it would take and mm-hmm. the time and the, the energy. Uh-huh. But to them, I would say, well, what else do you have going on in your you life that yeah, you could reprioritize because building the kingdom is supposed to be your number one uh-huh. priority. And I challenge you to find people who are more busy than us or some of the other mm-hmm. families that we know who accept their callings and magnify them. Yeah. So I don't think you can ever be too busy to accept a calling, but whatever. I that's know. a side In my note. experience, like if you ha- have an opportunity to do service and, and you feel like you're too busy to do it, if you can try to pray about that you want to do it, and then it always somehow manages to fit in. Out. Because yeah. we fit in different things that we felt inspired to add in with our kids mm-hmm. that we weren't doing before. We felt like we should do better, like family home evening mm-hmm. and, you know, doing come follow me better and yeah. other things like that. When I was like, I don't even know when I'd have time to plan that. Right. I don't even know when I'd have time to do it. And then we did figure it out. Right. If it's a righteous thing, the then Lord will, it actually will just does. It's like tithing. Right. <laughs> There's, I was able to pay my tithing. Yeah. You, you, know? you first have to be willing to do it and you have to take that step. And, and all then, my bills or whatever, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah. Well, and so there's those people who are like, you know, doubting mm-hmm. and I don't think I could find the time and all that. And so that's good that they have that awareness. But I think um, a lot of times people say no because they recognize that. But then there are the people, mm-hmm. the flip side of that coin are the people who say yes to callings mm-hmm. with no intention of actually uh, doing yes. the dang calling. So, um, again, not to just harp on our ward, uh-huh. but there are definitely instances that I've experienced uh-huh. and in other organizations yeah. that I've been in and on my mission wards that I was in mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where people technically have a calling and they just don't do it. They don't even try to do it. They don't care that they're not doing it or they don't seem to care that they're not doing it. Uh-huh. And when people try to offer them that support or encourage them or kind of nudge them a little bit, yeah, it just kind of falls on dead ears. And so then you have this placeholder where this person is technically the uh-huh. so-and-so, but then the work's not getting done. And then uh-huh. that's even more frustrating yes. because now you can't even call someone new without, you know, Technically, I mean, the bishop is the one who's yes. ultimately responsible to make that call, but it's a little more tricky to call someone new without offending them or yeah. rocking the boat there, but then the work's still not getting done. So I can't remember where I was going with that. I think I was saying, how do we... Magnify your calling. Yeah, mag- that's, that's what it was. Yeah, how do we magnify? Because if you accept a calling, that's just mm-hmm. the first step, but then what do you do to actually make it happen? My personal one for magnifying my calling is to take a calling and then I'll be happy if people didn't realize I was doing it for like years <laughs> because I always did it. Yeah. <laughs> I never was like slacking on it. Like yeah. I was a Relief Society teacher for like seven years. Yeah. And then when they released me like, well, we're going to release you. And I was like, well, that'll be nice to do something else. I haven't had this one for seven years. And everyone was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you'd had it that long. <laughs> like yeah. it was a long time. Right. And but um, you were always there. But I would when you never, had morning sickness. Yeah, or I did There was like a couple of times where I missed. And I think when we didn't go right after we had babies and I would just talked to the counselor and stuff, but oh, I, would get, yeah. I would get subs and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But, um, 
anyway, just doing it in a way where there people aren't having to scramble and take over and do your. Yeah, that's you know, an interesting perspective. Like, and they yeah. do feel the same way about like playing the piano for primary. Like they know mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. Right. I'm always there. Yeah. Like the previous person that was there, the reason why that was the funny part about the piano was, yeah. remember, <laughs> yeah. the primary, I would walk past them every day on my way to teach in <laughs> Relief Society and they would just be singing in there with an MP3 player, like an iPod yeah. type of thing and or no music whatsoever because yep. the guy that had the calling would just show up like once in a while but hardly ever yeah and he would not communicate he or... would never say anything yeah so then one so day i was just like you know what i'm free three out of four weeks yeah. do you want me to just come in and play and they said yes of yeah. course so you did that for like <laughs> so two years for, yeah, <laughs> and they're like we should give her the calling <laughs> yeah so then that's actually how i ended up not being the teacher for seven years because they needed me for the, it, it went to two-hour church yeah so then i couldn't do it <laughs> anyway it was the uh, but yeah. i ended up actually getting the calling not because i was really even asked i kind of volunteered by accident well and that's, that one but and that's the mindset right so it's like not even just with your own calling, but just in general, if you're service-minded and trying to think, am I willing but also seeking opportunities? Yeah. Or am I willing and hiding? Like, yeah. if they catch me and find me, then I'd do it. Yeah. You know? I and mean, for a long time, I was like, I don't want people to know I play the piano. Oh, I remember I that. I felt that way because... Yeah. I get feel so anxious playing the piano, even though I'm I'm like okay at it. I'm not like an expert. Well, and you've been playing for what? Like and I've two been decades, playing three? for a long time. I'm but I took <laughs> lessons up till high school, yeah, and then yeah. after that, it was basically just whatever on my own. Yeah. And in wards, when I was in college, I did not tell anybody I played the piano. Mm -hmm. They pass around a little sheet to say what your skills were. I would not feel in that, <laughs> <laughs> and I. Do you know what? That was not a righteous thing to do. Well, the, it, in some of the wards I was in, they didn't have a piano player yeah, even. Yeah. So, you know, I'd sit there and feel like a jerk. Well, and how do you contrast then, like, your capacity in those two situations? Like, yeah. Do you feel more comfortable and confident playing now after you've done it of in the course. calling than you did then? Yes, of course. After now I've been doing it for, like, I've done it off and on for, like, 12 years or something. Yeah. So, now I'm able to do it better, but it just took for practice because, you know, playing by yourself right. and accompanying people oh, is way so, different. Well, I never really accompanied, kids is way different. Yeah, I never accompanied adults or kids. So I was like, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then somebody asked me, I went back in my home ward, I think after college, they knew I played the piano. So they were desperate and they asked me. That's and then I just you. got the practice of playing with people singing and but yeah, I still have that tendency to be like, want to not say what. Right. I know that's not a righteous desire. Well, and, <laughs> and you you've seen what? the fruits that it bears yeah, out. Yeah, you should. When you share your talents like that, it's it makes a huge difference. The spirituality of the kids in the ward being able to sing with a person playing the piano. Right. I mean, like it's. I have come a long way because went from hiding completely that I played to volunteering basically. Right. So. I guess I have improved with that. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. And that goes back to if we, if when we're talking about magnifying, that goes back to if you have if you're thinking about just magnifying your own calling, or if you're thinking about lifting where you stand and being mm -hmm. just a productive member of your ward family. Yeah. So like you you started out because you volunteered uh -huh. but you weren't doing it because you're like oh, i really want that colleague a bit of <laughs> no go play so they'll call me ah you know and there are some people who, for that. right and there are some people who have like these prize oh, yeah. callings that uh -huh. they really want or they think it'd be so cool yeah 
But it's not so much that as it is just thinking like, where is there a need and how can I fill it? And sometimes mm -hmm. it will be in your capacity of your calling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it will just be in your capacity as a member of the ward. Mm -hmm. So I think another layer of magnifying your calling is um, helping others succeed in their callings. Uh -huh. So it's really easy to get that tunnel vision, especially if you have a Sunday calling. Uh-huh to have everything about your Sunday morning and your church experience be about your calling mm -hmm. and putting it. And so you're like, like I'll speak from my own experience. Uh -huh. So if I'm stressed out about some clerk thing that I have to do, yeah. it's easy to kind of space out during the talks mm -hmm. or not really be paying attention during the sacrament prayer or not really be thinking about what, you know, lesson where we're supposed to be on uh -huh. or whatever. And just be thinking like, okay, as soon as church ends, I got to get these things done. Yeah. Okay. I got to make sure the broadcast is going. But I think it's important to remember that everyone else, presumably, ideally, has yep. prepared for their calling. Uh -huh. And the more appreciative you can be of it, that's a way to help them succeed. Like just yeah, even acknowledging their service mm -hmm. and appreciating it, expressing that appreciation mm -hmm. or participating in it. Like imagine prayerfully selecting all the hymns for the week. Mm -hmm. and which I've had that calling before yeah. and you feel like, you know, Oh man, these are such great ones. It'll be really good. And yeah. then you show up to church and no one's singing yeah, or everyone just kind of last lackadaisically mumbling. Yeah. Words. You're like, but the message in this is so great. Yeah. Or preparing for a lesson and the same three loud mouths are commenting mm -hmm. by the way, one of them is me and <laughs> yes. everyone else just clams up and doesn't want to interact. Yeah. Or you plan a really great, event like a thanksgiving oh, yeah. dinner or something like that and nobody shows up or the people who show up are just kind of there to stuff their face and leave and no one interacts that or, is the worst. Like, there are ways that we can and i'm just spitballing but yeah. there are ways that we can invest in other people's service other people's callings uh -huh. and appreciate it and interact with it and respond so that they can be magnified and and feel like their service is worthwhile that's a great point. and of course it's a reciprocal process. So in doing that, then we get more out of it. It's uh -huh. not just for them to make them feel better, but yeah. you have to have that mindset of like, oh, we're all here to partake. We're all so yes, I'll still get the tithing process, uh -huh. and I'll still track that young couple down to get the birth record for their baby, newborn yeah. baby that they've owed me for a month. Yeah. But before that, I can really sink myself yeah. into this talk, or I yeah, can that's a great prayerfully point. think about how the sacrament is being administered which I have to do anyway, because I'm usually one of the ones administering it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I used to be one of those people that like before we had kids, I used to do mm -hmm. a better job at like making eye contact with the speaker while they spoke. And yeah. like, then they'd be just staring at me, you know, because yeah, my one of the two people. <laughs> yeah. But it's a lot harder with the kids because yeah, they course. always need stuff. But yeah. I'm excited to when we can go back to doing that a little better. Yeah. Once our kids are less needy and, yeah. Once we don't have masks on our faces. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Okay. So those are callings that are extended to you in your ward. What mm -hmm. about callings that are kind of, um, I don't know if de facto is the right word, but callings that you have pretty much for your whole membership in the church or, mm -hmm. you know, for large sections of your adult life. Hmm. Um, like ministering. Yeah. Like ministering father, mother, mm -hmm. Um, Something. I mean, those are the main ones. Like those are the main ones. I think I, you don't have to necessarily accept those. They're kind of just mm -hmm. given to you. 
I know. Or it's kind of they ex- do technically, I think, ask yeah, you. Yeah, assign you for the ministering. I know. That's fair. Ministering? That's fair. But people don't really think of that as no. one of their callings. No. They're like, what callings yeah. do you have? You're like, I'm the primary uh-huh. pianist. And then you don't think of anything else. I but know. Sorry, that wasn't impersonating you. It just nice. that was what we had talked about. <laughs> Talk like that. <laughs> <Rude>. <laughs> it went from bad doors. It went from Napoleon to oh. some other loser. <laughs> I don't know how to impersonate someone else talking and make them sound better. No. Um, By default, whenever someone is pretending to be someone else, they always make them sound stupider. I know. <laughs> I don't know why we do that as humans, but if you're ever quoting someone else, well, you either impersonate them verbatim. Yeah. Or if you're just doing the generic, you, you oh, always man. make them sound bad. You're so good at the impersonations, the real ones. Oh, the inadvertent. It's so bad. <laughs> I'll be telling a story at work and oh. then I'll be quoting what someone said. And then it, my story just completely gets interrupted. Like that's exactly what they sound like. <laughs> I know. See, and I just made it's... my work. People sound stupid. Oh. That's exactly what they sound like. I mean, yeah. income poop who works. Okay. Anyway. See, you did it. Anyways, that was the tangent. I know. I don't remember what we were talking about. Before talking that. about ministering Thank and you. Um, callings as mothers and fathers. Yeah. So if you're not having to like, you know, obviously you choose to be a parent and all that, but you're not having to over a long stretch of time, you may go without realizing it's a calling or thinking, Oh, I accept that calling or how am I magnifying that? calling? Mm -hmm. So how do we keep, yeah. How do we keep ourselves energized to magnify those callings? Cause I mean, that lasts for decades. Mm -hmm. Your fam ministering families may change. Your kids needs will change, but your roles and those callings. Yeah. Ministering is a tough one for me. Because we suck at ministering. We're terrible. <laughs> See, that's the thing. We can be all braggy about being good at our we other colleagues. We were drawing <laughs> lessons from our experience. Okay, we'll be drawing lessons from our experience about those, but not having good experiences with ministering because we're Yeah, well, that's not. why I bring it up. Yeah. It's easy for me to just forget that it's even a responsibility. I'm not in a habit. I know. And one of my family's... I do have contact with the Uh other one. It's pretty much one way con like I'll reach out to them, but they rarely ever respond and they don't like visitors and don't answer their door and all that. We have an adorable little (laughs) three-year-old checking in on us right now, by the way. Um, So yeah, it's, it's part of it is hard to just remember it and think about it. And then Mm -hmm. when I do think about it, I find myself at a loss for how to do it well or how to, I know. I maybe I just need to pray more specifically about that because I just I send my I only have one person mm-hmm. on my list. Yeah. And I send her occasionally send her texts and stuff like that when I think about stuff for her. Mm-hmm. But she's extremely capable. And right. <laughs> I don't know. So she's kind of a tough one when I've mm-hmm. offered like to, active and capable. Yeah, she's yeah, really active. Strong testimony. Strong testimony. Really capable of just in her life too. She's really successful. So it's hard to see a like, need. So it's hard for me to see a need. Like I know some things that she needs, but I don't really know what to do. About it. Yeah. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. I do think you know about it. Yeah. I that's just a... don't really know. I can see needs that she has, but right. they're not like, needs i can fill off the top or of that my you head see a way to fill yeah that yeah. i see a way to fill i don't mean that there's nothing i can do yeah you just that that's not as obvious so that sounds to me like um and obviously if those listening can help us out we could use your support yeah. so give us ideas but that sounds to me like it is a matter of prayer first 
yeah. and involving the Lord more because yeah. um, it's similar to what we do with our kids. Like just last uh-huh. night we were, yeah, you know, knee deep in figuring out an issue that had come up yesterday uh-huh. and we were reading through some church resources and uh-huh. praying about it and talking it out. Mm-hmm. And that was how we came upon re- reflection, reflection and realizing what we, um, needed to change about how we were approaching the situation yeah. with one of our kids and mm-hmm. oh the problems with us so now yeah. we're going to make this change and even just so far today when we've been uh, we yeah, had a situation where we proof. applied it and it was way better way better so um yeah that sounds like a me problem and a you problem that I we know. need to take to the I lord agree. Uh, it's yeah. not so much is how do you do it it's how do each of us individually find the way to do it yeah because what works for one ministering family is going to be totally irrelevant yeah. for another I know, yeah. That's what it has to be. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, well, I know some of her needs, but she seems really cute. Well, then it may be the first step for us is Uh just getting to know them on a deeper level. Like, if we can't see the need, that probably is a good sign that we just don't know them well enough. Yeah. Because everyone has needs. Because, like, she told me some stuff she needed when I was first assigned to her, and I was I'm able to do those things, yeah. but it just doesn't seem like enough. enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, my family, one of my families told me a need that at the time was not as realistic. Um, like I, I, it just didn't really work out for me to give them what they wanted. And then when it was more realistic for me to give them what they wanted, um, now it's more tricky because they're not even all around. Yeah. Summer. So, and they really can't have it. so then they can't receive it. So, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a um, matter of taking it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And going back to, you know, since we mentioned ministering and parenting, just to kind of wrap it all up, mm-hmm. I think um, we do have to regularly choose to accept the calling of mother uh-huh. and father. And that's probably one that you will never fully feel qualified for. Mm-hmm. Yet the one I can see the Lord qualifying me for most Mm-hmm. Um, readily, like I, <laughs> I can think of daily examples of how he's spending me and shaping me and stretching me mm-hmm. to meet the demands, and partially because the demands are constantly changing as my kids grow and yeah. as we get more kids, and all of that has mm-hmm. changed over the years. Um, so, with those callings specifically, which obviously don't apply to everyone, but for those who are future mothers and fathers or who have kids, I think it's important to remember. Um, to keep it, to keep it actively in your mind, and not let yeah. it just become a foregone conclusion, or just uh-huh. like I take it for granted because I've been a mom for ten years, or I've been a mom for twenty mm-hmm. years. I don't really need to pray about that or involve the Lord. I don't know that yeah. a lot of people have that mindset, but but you do get into those cycles where you're just here's what we do, yeah, or and we do kind of the same thing every day because you do have to have schedules with kids, routine, yeah, and routine. But then you can also get into routines and habits that are not as good sure so you have to be constantly questioning yeah you do have to be really deliberate about choosing that you're going to be an actually involved parent i think every day yeah at the end of the day i usually try to check in with myself about how i did that day right and if i didn't do as well then think about what i'd want to do better Mm -hmm. and pray about it as well and unlike sunday callings or you know, callings that have to do with a specific organization and a specific role in that organization where you can kind of coast for a few days without even thinking about mm-hmm, your calling. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it's 
Thursday, I better kind of dust off my manual and prepare for teaching on Sunday or yeah. whatever, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't get that luxury as a no, parent. No, you don't. You almost get so, no time. Yeah, you're you're on around the clock. You're you're on call and refining kind of simultaneously. It's mm-hmm. that give and take of. Like you say, each day you have to really reflect and Yeah, you and still have it. to try to do your best even when you're at your worst, yeah. if you're sick or you're tired. Right. So back to church callings, I would say <laughs> approach every extended calling with the assumption that whether or not it came from the Lord is not the relevant question. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the Lord can qualify you for it is the relevant question. Mm-hmm. And then know that, yes, there will be rare exceptions. Like I'm sure you can find examples of where those extending the call didn't know the full circumstances of the family. And it uh-huh. would be a bad thing for them to accept the calling. Yeah. Like it would be detrimental to the family's needs uh-huh. or it would just not work out. So we're not saying never say no to yes. calling, but know that it would really only need to be if you got a prompting from the Lord against it. Like if you take it to yeah. the Lord in prayer and you're like, will you qualify me? Can I do this? And you get a no. Okay. Yeah. That sounds sensible. Yeah. But if you get a yes, well, you better accept that calling. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be under the condemnation if not. And if you have a stupor of thought, if you're just feeling different, well then what's the harm in giving yourself a growth opportunity? Yeah, that's true. You know, if, if it's, not the Lord's booming voice saying, yes, you must be the yeah. Sunday school instructor during this year and this month. <laughs> but it's like, hey, if I accept it, is there a chance I'm going to grow in my capacity? Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's do it. It's go time. Yeah. Accept it and let the Lord show you. Do you know what? Of one thing that occurred to me, I mean, that I thought of while you were talking mm-hmm. that's slightly off topic, but not mm-hmm. really is, do you know what I think is really interesting that I don't know if they've always done this or recently, but like when you're offered a calling and then they ask, you know, your spouse, your spouse, yeah, if they'll support you in it because yeah. when you are the person married to the person with a bigger calling, that's yeah, going to take sure. up more time. You really do have to be part of the calling as well so yeah you have to accept it yeah you really do so i really appreciate that they ask that because sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like you're going unnoticed like oh we're giving him this calling and then you know you have to pick up all the slack right like Like, suddenly your husband's not there before church to get the kids ready yeah suddenly every thursday night you don't have someone to help put the kids to bed and suddenly yeah you have extra time doing what you're already were needing a break from, right. you know? So I appreciate that they do that now or that maybe they've I always agree. done it. And we just, I haven't been involved. <laughs> but, yeah. Like maybe it was supposed to be the case, but it wasn't adhered to. I don't know. Yeah, I no, don't know. It's a good question, but, but it is a great practice and mm-hmm. very practical. Cause I always think about that when it is harder for me, like when you're not there in the mornings and I'm trying to get <laughs> four kids ready yeah. and at church by whenever yeah. nine. And then I think about that. Well, I did. I said I would support him, mm-hmm. and I felt like I really would support him. So, right. no, I grew up in a home where the like that kind of stuff was like held over the other person's head mm-hmm. more. Like if my dad had a calling, then and my mom had to pick up the slack. Then she would let him know that she hated it all right. the time, right? Constantly, yeah. So, and that became a <laughs> hindrance, no doubt, because your dad's such a great man. But yeah, I'm sure there were callings that. Yeah. He could have had that 
maybe just weren't accepted or maybe even weren't offered yeah. with the knowledge of he's not going to be supported. So yeah, you do have that. Um, if you're a married couple, you have that co-responsibility to each other's callings mm-hmm. as well. When you think of your callings, you should think of the ones that were extended to you. Yeah. Think of the ones that you have by, again, not by default, but yeah. you know, as a father, mother, minister, and then, yeah, the uh-huh. ones that your spouse has, if they have them. Yeah. So when you're thinking of your stewardship, it could have several yeah. that you're thinking of responsible for involved with in some way or another. Yeah. And a lot of times that nobody really acknowledges like that you're giving up your time, but yeah. like with our current Bishop, he one time so brought good. you, he's yeah. really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, gone lots of times where you had hard callings and nobody said anything yeah but like he brought over like something to thank you for doing it and on the card he's like said he thanked me also for giving up the time where you would be helping me and i was like when he regularly mentions it too to me like be sure to let your family know Uh, we appreciate them giving you up for yeah he's really in tune with that so and so that's something to keep in mind even when it's not happening that you are appreciated by the service that's done to the Lord, right? And the Lord, whether knows. they're saying it or not, yeah. But it is nice to be, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> nice when someone it. says it, yeah. <laughs> but if they don't, yep. we're saying it. So yep. thank you for supporting, yeah, your spouse. <laughs> thank you for magnifying your calling. Thank you for accepting callings. And if you are one of those people who kind of hides from callings or gets super stressed out or is maybe hiding some of your talents because you're worried about getting called out for them. <laughs> just know that that won't last forever you your capacity can increase to the point where you can then even be the one volunteering and know that that really comes from the lord the lord is the one mm-hmm. who qualifies us for the work and um you know when i think about just on a last note when i think about the lord has the money like he has tithing funds mm-hmm. he could just pay everyone who has a calling yeah. or you know for every position he could just pay all these people to do it mm-hmm and it could be very competitive and have the best people in the job, like the most efficient elder yeah. scrum president who's going to do a great job is the elder scrum president for as long as need be. Yep. And so on with the Relief Society yeah. and all that. But what would we lose? Like at what cost? Why would we not? Why would the Lord not choose that? And I'll let you answer first and then I have a thought unless you have an answer. I mean, unless you don't have an answer. Well, it just instills for me, it instills gratitude to the people that are giving up their free time to yeah. serve me. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be less grateful if someone's being paid to do something for you. Right. <laughs> but, and you're going to take it in the same way. Yeah. You're like, going to take it in. If you know that they're getting paid of... to call and check up on you after your surgery, are uh-huh. you like, well, whatever. Yeah. Or rather if they're volunteering and actually asking you questions. Mm-hmm. It's like when people bring you a meal after you have a baby or you're sick or something like that, you feel you can tell they're bringing it because they love and care about you. If you could pay DoorDash to bring you <laughs> <Right>. food, <laughs> it wouldn't feel the, the same. same. <laughs> and just imagine how much people would start to resent the people that they were their leaders if it was like a competitive <laughs> thing where, well, you got that calling because you were the most it. qualified. And so you must think you're better than all of us. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's real value in being led by someone who isn't the most capable mm-hmm. or the most qualified. And I want everyone to remember that when they're saying yes to callings, that the Lord needs you in that position because it can also help humble other people mm-hmm. or help teach other people or help other people recognize attributes that they don't automatically recognize. Yeah. I mean, I've had several bishops over my life and probably like one or two of them are people who I would have thought 
on my own would uh -huh. make good bishops. Yeah. And yet all of them have risen to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And when they were released, they kind of were just regular guys yeah. that like you can kind of see like, oh, they're still just that regular dude. Like yeah. it, you really do get qualified when you're in that position. So I think it's important also to remember the whole blessing. I mean, there's so many blessings of a lay ministry, but one of the biggest is when those who are not the obvious pick mm -hmm. do take the calling. Yeah. And then we can see the Lord in increasing their ability. And I hate to keep using the word qualify them, but yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and then it teaches those around them humility and, and trust and to recognize what the Lord can do with us. Uh -huh. So even if you never have that calling, you see how someone in that calling is, is supported and is stretched. And then you recognize, well, if they can be, then I certainly can be too. Yeah. And we become interdependent with each other and, and start to trust each other rather than just this show off kind of competitive corporate mindset of mm -hmm. like, well, Jones had a great quarter last week or I mean uh, last year. How about we uh, promote him in January? It's yeah. like, come on, let's, great let's point. keep it about what it's about, which is when you're in the service of God and the service of your fellow man, you're in the service of God and he's the one asking us. He's the one calling us. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. And, um, we definitely appreciate anything you've done to promote the podcast. We've pretty consistently been increasing in listenership. So mm -hmm. we really appreciate it. If you haven't already shared it with the people that you know who might appreciate it, please do. Mm -hmm. Especially this episode, if you know anyone who's struggling in their calling or feeling inadequate, um, or maybe who in the past has had trouble accepting callings and you think they could use the encouragement, please share this with them or another mm -hmm. episode on a topic that you think they could benefit from because that's why we do this we like knowing that we can help people and yeah. we don't get to talk to enough people in our ward or yeah. really enough adults in general yeah. <laughs> so this is just another way we can maybe interact with more people and if nothing else we have fun talking and yeah <laughs> gets us thinking about ourselves and ways we can improve mm -hmm, exactly and um, we'll definitely think about and pray about ways we can improve in our ministering because that was a good eye-opener yeah. as well so until we talk to you on the next episode, magnify your calling, enjoy your calling, accept callings, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.